0: The ideas we come up with, right? Amen. Hey, uh, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, we wanted to just kind of make that video to just celebrate some of the things that we're seeing in in Madison, Florida. You know, a couple of weeks ago we launched a campus down there, and God is continuing to do some amazing things. Uh, the The reality is, we have uh, run out of room already, and so. Uh, it's it's just amazing. Amen. Just give praise and honor to God. I mean, God is doing some in, incredible works down there. In fact, this morning, uh in our first service, we baptized two and then in this service today, we baptized three and, and and right now in Madison, Florida, we're baptizing three new believers down there as well. Amen. And so it's amazing what God is doing in the life of our church and 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 as we are just faithful to go and and, and to even leave uh, this community, go into other communities to continue to carry the gospel. It's just amazing to watch God at work and it's just so encouraging to me to just see what God is doing. We are uh, next Sunday gonna launch our second service in Madison, Florida. And uh, just a few moments ago they were texting me with another 28 people there this morning. So God is just continuing to work down there, amen. You could just praise him, uh, it, it's really, really, just encouraging to me. I know just a little over a year ago, we, you know, we had some people that were coming up from Madison, and then as we begin to connect with those people, they begin to share with uh, us the reality that it would be nice to have something like this down there. And, uh, and, and so you, you start dreaming, you start planning, you start asking God, what's this all about? And a result of that ended up uh, with us launching uh, three life groups. We have fourth one that is about to start off and about to launch now. And so, God is definitely working in the community down there. And I, I couldn't be more excited um, about that. And, and I just can't wait to continue to share with you all that God is doing in that city. And so, uh, God's also doing some incredible things in some other places. In fact, I, I, I have a few announcements I want to make uh, this morning before we dive into the word. Uh, first of all, tonight at 6 o'clock, our student ministry, our fusion ministry, our youth ministry, is gonna have parents' night. And so we wanna invite all the parents and the youth to come out uh, for Fusion tonight. It's gonna to be an exciting time uh, to get everybody together and some exciting things that are happening there in that ministry as well. And then also Donnie Connor, which a lot of you guys know Donnie Connor. He is, uh, he is a part of our church, been a part of our church for about three years. He's also our SBC disaster relief coordinator For our church. And Donnie, uh, whenever there's a a disaster, a natural disaster, he's usually off and and running to that place. And he's been up in North Carolina where Hurricane Florence hit. And he called me last night. And they have a need for us to send a team on October the 11th through the 16th to do some work up there. And so if any of you are interested in doing uh, something and can take the time to get away and go and to help. Uh, I know that would be a good cause for us to to, to be involved in and to go. And and like I said, Donnie's already there. But I think it's an excellent opportunity for us to go and to be a part. And so just want to just kind of make that uh, announcement to you this morning. And then also, uh, and and this is the last one, but Sunday, October the 14th, go ahead and write that on your calendar, uh, a date for us to all gather together here on on a Sunday night, 5 o'clock, for what we call a one big life group. Now, I know a lot of you are in life groups and as your life groups, you're, you're all invited to be here. But also, if you're considering a life group or wanting to plug into a life group or just wanting to start a life group or whatever, uh, this will be for you. Um, we we wanna invite it to the whole church because uh, life groups are really the backbone of our church and we want everyone to have an opportunity to get plugged in. And so this, uh, not this coming Sunday, but uh, October the 14th, Sunday night at 5 o'clock, we also have uh, Andrew Stanley, who is a stand-up Christian comedian that's going to be here and just sharing with us that, that night. He is the son of Andy Stanley from uh, Atlanta. And so I uh, just want to encourage you to be here and be a part of that night. It's going to be a, a fun night. It's going to be a, an amazing night. And, and there's only one stipulation. It is a free event, but it's just one stipulation we're going to move away from sort of the contemporary church model, and we're going to move into something more uh, traditional. And so what we're going to be doing that night is, listen to this, covered dish, okay? So, uh, I mean, you, the only thing you, 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 we ask is you bring something uh, that night. It's going to be an amazing time. Just throwing this out there. I love wings, okay? Just just throwing that out there. So uh, just bring your best hot wings and, and whatever else you want to bring and we're going to have a great night, uh, October the fourteenth. So, well, let's dive into the message here this morning. We uh, we started a couple of weeks back. In fact, it's been a while now. Uh, walking through uh, the Book of Ephesians, this this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to a local gathering of believers that were meeting in Ephesus, a community called Ephesus, Ephesus a city. And so uh, we, we started this series called New Life. And we've been talking a lot about our identity in Christ Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he starts this letter in chapter 1, he starts talking about our identity in Christ and talking about the importance of us understanding our identity in Christ and, and what that means for us. And so we've walked through that. And, and we, we're at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11 today. This is where we're going to be going. But Paul is going to make a shift He's going to sort of slide into something else. Uh, if you remember when we launched this series, we called it New Life, and we had a sort of a subtitle. And and, that, and, and uh, we were talking about our identity, belonging, and calling. And so this is the belonging part where Paul shifts into talking about what it means to belong to a faith family, to belong to uh, uh, God to belong to uh, a community of believers, and so we're going to sort of transition over the next couple of weeks talking about what that means. And uh, I'm excited about it as we as we dive into the Word here uh, together this morning, and and just continue to see what it is that God's going to teach us. Now, our message this morning is titled "Strangers Taken In," and I believe that as we look at this, you're going to get an understanding of of what I mean by that. Um, as we dive into the word and as we start breaking this down. But strangers taken in, and the passage comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, 12, and 13. We're going to be looking at these three verses. And, you know, one of the things we're going to recognize uh, in this passage, and something we've always known, is that community is a is a, a foundational element of the church. It is a foundational element of who we are in Christ Jesus Christ created us to belong to one another and so we're gonna uh, begin to see that uh, unfold today in, in the in the message that we have here from God's Word and we're gonna be looking at this but Paul's talk he's, he's gonna take us back and he's taken us back to a time when we were strangers to Christ he's so he's, he's gonna take us back to a time before we knew Christ Jesus he's gonna describe that And then he's gonna talk a little bit about what it means to be in Christ Jesus now. And so he's gonna make the shift. And so I wanna invite you as we've started a couple of weeks ago to stand with me as we read our text today and then pray together. As a church, uh, I wanna just invite everyone to stand and to be a part of standing uh, as we read from God's Word. God's Word, as you know, is our authority. And, and it's, our, it's the truth in which we believe in. And so I think it's important for us if we uh, would to just stand in honor of God's word and the reading of scripture and then also just stand as we pray. So let's read the passage together and then we'll pray. In verse 11, Paul starts off and he says these words. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision... Which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse thirteen, he says, "But now in Christ Jesus, you were once uh, you who were once far off have been brought near." by the blood of Christ Jesus. How many of you celebrate the reality that at one time in your life you were far off, but today you are near to Christ Jesus, amen? I celebrate that with you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll dive into the text together. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you, God, for this opportunity just to come together and worship you in spirit and truth. And what an amazing morning it has been already, God, as we have just lifted up our voices in praise and honor and celebration of you as we've given testimony of the great things that you've done, not only in Madison, Florida, but also here in our midst God as we have seen those who have come forward for baptism and then also just celebrating those that were baptized in Madison and so God we know that you are doing an incredible work in our midst we know that you're at work in our hearts in the hearts and the lives of many and, f- and for that, Lord, we are so thankful. We're just uh, excited, God, about how you continue to lead us and guide us in everything that we do. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds and that you would help us to be really just receptive, God, to what it is that you're wanting to teach us. And Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me here this morning. Um, so one of the first things that Paul does as we, as we look in this text today is he, he takes the Ephesians down memory lane. In other words, Paul, at the onset of this text, he's going, to, he's going to challenge or call the Ephesians to remember. In fact, twice here in verse 11 and verse 12, he starts off those two verses by saying remember. So he uses these words Remember and so he's the idea here is that Paul is wanting us to to stop what we're doing to think for just a moment of, of something that had happened previously in our life he wants us to look back and to remember something that is important and I, I look at this and I think man it's it's really amazing how uh, as we go through life sometimes it is important for us to think back to remember things that are in our past, we, uh, you know, honestly, throughout our life, we probably re- are, are constantly remembering things, but we we probably don't think about how much we remember things. But it always benefits us to look back, especially as we're wanting to look forward, because oftentimes in looking back, we can celebrate those things that are ahead of us. And so, in this passage, Paul's going to. He's going to ask the Ephesians to remember really two things. He's going to ask them to remember the division of their past. And so we're going to be looking at that today. He's also going to ask them to remember the hopelessness of their past. And so we're going to be looking at this and understanding why it is that the Apostle Paul would want us to look back, to remember. And and I think really the reason is probably because it just does us good to remember, to remember things. I remember back in January when I had the opportunity to go to Beirut and uh, as I was there visiting with Jordan Cruz, who you know was here a couple of weeks back, and he was sharing with us the work that they're doing there, uh, we had an opportunity. Jordan and I, along with Marwan, who is the lead pastor there at this church, to go down to the to the city central or central part of the city, and and go and just walk around the city and look at things. and They wanted to show me the city so that I could get a feel for what's happening there in in Beirut. So we drove down there and we went to a parking garage that was that was very similar to something that we might go to uh, if we were here in the States. And so we drive into this parking garage and we, we park the car and we get out. And I remember hearing Marwan say this, A, blue, three. And I, immediately I wondered what in the world he was talking about until I looked around and I noticed all the columns where we had parked were blue And then I noticed that where we had parked the car was uh, section three. And so I realized real quickly, I mean, just a little bit of deduction there. He's just remembering where he parked. And so we walked out. I didn't say anything about that. It wasn't a need to. And neither did Jordan. But we went out and we spent several hours in the community. And we were walking the streets and everything. And so on our return back to the garage, we went back to the garage. We took an elevator to the blue section. We got off the The elevator there, everything looked very familiar to us. We walked straight to where we knew our car was at in section three. So there we were standing in blue section three, and there was no car. And being the guy who was visiting, you know, I just kind of sat back, you know, and and, and waited. Uh, I was pretty convinced that we were in the right place. And Marwan had this puzzled look on his face, and he kind of looked around, and he said, he said to us, he said, Well, this is this is strange. I, I, I thought for sure we parked in blue three. And so then, you know, Jordan, he kind of chimes in because they have a guest with them and they you know, they don't want to be too embarrassed about this. So they're like, well, maybe it was more toward four, or maybe it was more toward two. So we walk toward four, we walk toward two. We're really having a hard time. So then they they begin to have some discussion. Wasn't it blue three? And yeah, it was blue three. And then finally, they're at this point where the car, I mean, we have literally looked for like 30 minutes, and finally he looks at me and he says, David, where do you remember the car? And I said, well, I distinctly remember blue three like you guys are saying because I remember you saying it. So then all of a sudden we begin to panic because you begin to wonder, you know, well, where's the car? I mean, it should be here, right? We certainly, we remember where we parked the car and we all are in sort of unison agreement here to where we parked the car, but yet the car was nowhere to be found. Has anybody ever walked out into a Walmart parking lot and forgot where you parked your car? I mean, isn't that ridiculous? Well, this was really confusing because we had been there almost an hour now and it was like ridiculous. And so finally, uh, somebody suggested, well, why don't we ask somebody, you know, I, I don't know. So we go to this welcome desk, which wasn't far away. And as we go up to the lady that was working there, Marwan says, uh, excuse me but we're having some trouble finding our car and we're in we parked in blue three we we know that but our car's not there and she said was it was it a blue three or was it B blue three and then it dawned on all three of us that there was an a she said well you're in B blue three so you need to go to a blue three, and so it was one of those moments in your life where you realize you forgot the first part of that whole thing, and so we had been in the wrong place all along. But but it's good to have a good memory, right? And not all of us have a good memory. In fact, as I get older, it's it sort of fades a little bit, it's just something I think that kind of comes with the territory. But here in this text, Paul is going to challenge us to think back to remember some things that are very important for us to remember. And these two things that I've mentioned, he very specifically in verse 11, he says one thing. In verse 12, he says to remember another. And so this morning, I want us to look back at what it is that the apostle Paul is, is pointing out to us. So let's look at the first thing that Paul calls us to remember. First thing he calls us to remember is to remember the division of their past. So he's writing to the Ephesians, right? Right? And he writes these words to them. He notice the way he starts off this. He says, Therefore, remember that at one time, and then he, he he gives them this title. This is a title that we see all throughout scripture. It's not something that we, you know, we really think that much about, but it becomes hugely important as we think about the whole message that Paul is wanting to communicate to us in this text. But he says, You Gentiles. And so he he's writing to th- this local body of believers, and he uses this term, he doesn't say disciples of Christ, he doesn't say, hey church, he doesn't say that. He, he uses this term, Gentiles. And so we begin to look at that and we begin to wonder well, why is it that Paul would, would mention this word Gentile? Why would he refer to them? As Gentiles, he says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh. And so he sort of goes back to a day and he actually points to something that is is somewhat offensive to anyone who really understood the meaning behind this word Gentiles. The word Gentiles is a word that means anybody other than a Jewish person. And so the Jews are the ones who sort of came up with this. And if you know anything about their culture during their day, they often saw the Gentiles as being those who were unclean or unpure. In fact, oftentimes they would, when they used this term, they were using it as they referenced even even uh, unclean dogs. And so it was a it was a very sort of offensive term uh, to be considered a Gentile because it was someone who was other than God's chosen people, and so uh, so as Paul's using this term, he's sort of pointing this out. He says, remember there was a day, you Gentiles, and you just have to wonder why it is that the Apostle Paul is sort of picking at that scab, right? I mean, this is obviously something that it, that it is sort of behind them. They're moving on. They're disciples of Christ. These, This is the church that meets in Ephesus, and the Apostle Paul, he's writing to them, and he calls them you Gentiles. And so he sort of throws that out there for them to process. And and I, I think as we look at this, we begin to realize that that there's probably a good reason that Paul is saying this. And it's because ultimately he wants to communicate that Jesus changes everything. And so that's where he's headed, okay? But he says, remember that you at one time you Gentiles. And so this word, I really want us to understand this because uh, next week we're going to be looking at the issue of killing hostility, okay? Killing hostility within a, a community of believers, and so Paul's going to address that. And so he's sort of setting up the stage. He's he's talking about things that that might have been offensive or things that might have created hostility, because it seemed that the 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 is the, the, the nation of Israel were were those who who really sort of looked down on everybody else in the world, and as a result, the rest of the world sort of looked down on Israel. And this was just the way it was. And this this wall of hostility that sort of existed between Israel and all the other nations of the world it, it showed itself in the form of racism. It showed itself in the form of elitism. And so it sort of it was like we're entitled, you're not. And so it was this sort of it was, just, it was just a re- really weird time uh, back then. And so, uh, so Paul is, is presenting this truth to them and he is, ca- he is calling them to remember the division of their past. In other words, he, he says there are things about your culture and about your, your relationships with others that sort of sets you apart, but he's gonna move toward this truth that Jesus Changes everything. In fact, you know, all through the New Testament, we see where Jesus came, and, and it's it's obvious by the time we get in the Old Testament that salvation was not just strictly for God's chosen people, the people of Israel, but yet uh, it was for all people to know Christ, and and even Paul and Barnabas themselves, as they embarked on missionary journeys, would go out and they would tell other people that they had been called to be the light unto the Gentiles, to those who don't know Christ Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, we read where it says they were telling this to, to some Jews there that they were to be the light to the, to the Gentiles and take the gospel to the world. And it says in Acts 13, 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life, they believed. And so here we see where the gospel is now going out into the world, and there are those who who uh, might otherwise have never heard the gospel that are hearing the gospel. I mean, just, if you, if you will, just sort of equate it to this, where, you know, we have those who come here from Madison, Florida, and they begin to share with us that they live down there, and we just sort of snub our nose at them and say, oh, well, we're from... Valdasta, right? And so that would be something that would be very similar to what we are sort of seeing here as the apostle Paul begins to open up to this this uh, this idea or this truth of belonging. Now, the second thing he asked them to remember is the hopelessness uh, of their past, the hopelessness of their past. Notice what Paul does here. He presents five huge problems that humanity has outside of Christ Jesus. And this is how he does it. Look at verse 12 with me. He says, remember that you were at that, at that time separated from Christ. So he's, he's calling them to look back pre-Christ in their life. And he says, remember you were separated from Christ Jesus. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You, you weren't grafted into the nation of Israel, so to speak. And you were strangers to the covenant of promise. He goes on to say, you had no hope and you were without God in the world. That's a pretty desperate situation, isn't it? Thinking back to, to our life, even before Christ Jesus, we think about uh, where we found ourselves. And I don't know about where you were when you found Christ, but I know in my life there was a There was a a time in my life where I felt a sense of hopelessness and I felt a lack of peace and a lack of contentment. And I felt as though my heart was empty and I was longing for something which I knew nothing about. And so uh, by, the, by the grace of God, God began to woo me with his Holy Spirit. He began to draw me unto himself. And by grace, I was saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And so, you know, that's, for all of us here today that are disciples of Christ Jesus, that's our testimony. That's what God has done in our life. That's how God works in our life. He, he comes into our life and he, saves us and so we see where Paul he says remember, remember back prior to Christ Jesus and he uses these five strong words he uses the word separated. you know there's a thing in our world today uh, called separation anxiety and what that means is literally people sort of uh beginning to experience anxiety when they are separated from their friends or they're separated from their community or they're separated from their family and so it's a very real thing because we were created to be community we were created to belong to something and so Paul this isn't by accident that Paul is mentioning this reality he says he says before Christ you were you were separated from Christ you weren't a part of Uh, of, of the family of God. You were living your life in your sin. And in fact, the New Testament tells us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God was thinking about us when we weren't thinking about him. We were strangers Uh, and we were separated from Christ. He uses this word alienated, another very strong word, to to talk about us being separated or being not a part of of anything. He uses the word strangers. Uh, You know How many of us have warned our children not to talk to strangers? Another sort of negative thing to consider, and so he uses this word strangers. Then he says this, and we were outside of Christ. We were living without any sense of hope, We were living a hopeless life and we were living without God. And so I I can't really think of anything that puts us in more of a desperate situation than what we see here in this text. The Apostle Paul revealing to us these things before Christ. You know, I look at these things and I I think out of all these five, the one that most resonates with me is, is living a life of hopelessness. You know, and and I I think for for most of us as believers in Christ Jesus, we're probably not living a life of hopelessness because we have our hope in Christ Jesus now. But the reality is, even for believers and followers of Christ Jesus, oftentimes we go through moments in our life, we go through days in our life, maybe weeks in our life where we begin to sense a a, a, a feeling of of helplessness or hopelessness, we begin to walk through a circumstance in our life where we begin to think that we're in a hopeless situation. And, and fortunately for us, we can remember that Christ Jesus is our hope. We can, we can look back, and we can look at even other situations in our life and we can say, well, God delivered me here, or God saved me here, or God restored me here. And so fortunately for us as believers, we can look back and we can say, man, Thank goodness for what Christ has done in my life but there are still those moments and even, in, even as, a, as your pastor here this morning if I'm just being completely transparent there are moments in my life where even if they're just a blip and a bleep in my, in, in my life, even if they're just a moment in my day sometimes I can get this overwhelming sense of hopelessness and I have to turn back to Christ Jesus and that's exactly what Paul's gonna do here. So Paul has has challenged them to be reminded of these two very devastating moments in our life but here's the good news, he points to Christ. In other words, he says, I want you to think back but only long enough so that I can take you to Jesus because Jesus is the answer for your life and so he, he does this really remarkably, as we look at this, Paul says, I know there are barriers that cause division in your life. There are cultural barriers. There are relational barriers. He says, I know that there's hopelessness that has separated you uh, from Christ Jesus, but then he hits them with the good news of the gospel, and Paul reminds them, you have been brought near to Christ Jesus. And I love the the, the way Paul communicates this truth. I love this, because I can't think of anything that any way he could have done it that wouldn't have been just as encouraging as it is. So look at this with me in verse 13. Paul says this, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away or far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And what he means by the blood of Christ is he's pointing to that totality of the gospel message, the reality that that the apostle, I mean, excuse me, that the Lord Jesus he went to the cross and he went there to die for our sins. He died on that cross, his blood was spilled for the atonement of our sins. He was buried in a tomb, but in three days he had a victory over both sin and death by being raised from the grave. And so when he says We were brought near into Christ by the blood of Christ. He's pointing to the gospel message of Jesus. He's talking about every bit of that, not just the blood that atones for our sins, but the gospel message of Christ. But I love how he says this. He says, but now Jesus Christ has changed your life. You are living a life today that is different than the life that was marked in your past. And this is powerful for us to understand. This is important for us to to see and to to realize. By him using these terms, but now, it it really takes us back a couple of weeks ago when we talked about where he says, you know, at one moment in our life, we were living a life where we were dead in our trespasses, and then we read that, that little phrase, but God. You remember that a couple of weeks ago? But God changes everything, doesn't he? He changes everything. And so here we see the same thing. This used to be, but now in Christ. You who were once far off have been brought near. Jesus changes everything. He tears down the walls of hostility. He tears down the walls of hopelessness. He tears down the walls of loneliness. He tears down all of these walls that exist in our life and we have been brought near by Christ Jesus. No longer are we far away. And that is a beautiful thing. I know it is for me and I hope it is for you as well, amen. It's a beautiful thing. Now, before I finish this up, I just want to... I wanna just kind of explore this terminology that that Paul uses because we actually see this all throughout the scripture. And in fact, the the, the fact that Paul took us back to the Old Testament when he was was talking about Gentiles, he was sort of giving us this overview of the Old Testament. We see this other phrase where he says, you were once far, but now you're near. This is actually something that we see all through the scripture. In fact, now as you read through the Bible, you're gonna see it and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I remember... Pastor David talking about that, but there's a lot of importance to this word near. You see, the the nation of Israel, they often referred to anyone who was a part of the nation of Israel was near to God. You and I might describe it like this. Well, I have a pretty strong walk with Christ. That's how we might describe it. We might say, you know, if we're, if we're not having, if we don't have a strong walk, we might say, well, there's, we're kind of going through a dry period in our life or I feel kind of distant to God. But if we're having a pretty good, you know, time in our life where we're just walking with Jesus, we'd say, well, you know, things seem to be good. Well, this was their way of saying, you know, for the, for the, for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel, They were near to God. Everybody else in the world was far off from God. And so here, Paul using this terminology is, again, not by accident. He's helping them to understand that maybe at one time, as Gentiles, they had been alienated but no longer in Christ Jesus and he, he, he's admitting that maybe at some point in their life they may have been distant from God but no longer not in Christ Jesus. He is, he is revealing to us that as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, those of us who know Christ as our Lord and Savior, those of us who have been saved by grace through faith, we are near and could there be anything that is more comforting than thinking that God is near? No. It's such a beautiful thing. In every circumstance that we may go through in our life, it is beautiful to think that God is near. One of the passages of scripture that we always point to is, is the truth. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we hear that, immediately we begin to think of just the reality of God's presence in our life. It is so important for us to understand this truth. And so Paul brings this out. He's He's presenting this to the Ephesians, but let us not be mistaken. This has always been God's plan, that the gospel message would go out into the Gentiles, not just be confined to the nation of Israel, but it has always been a part of God's plan. I wanna show you this before before we hang up this message, okay? Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19, or we'll have it on the screen for you as well. But in Isaiah, we see where it says this. It says in Isaiah 57, 19, peace, peace, look at this. To the far and to the near says the Lord and I will heal him. I love that because here we see where this terminology that, that the, the, the Lord is even speaking and the, 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 the word of God presenting to us here this morning is that the reality is the gospel message of salvation and hope will be taken to those who are far and those who are near, those who are close to God. And I I love this. I I love the fact that, that we see this in God's word, and here's why. Because even as believers and followers of Christ, we don't always feel close to God, do we? We don't always feel that way. Let me, let me just ask you a question here this morning, and we'll sort of wrap it up with this. And this is a rhetorical question for sure. But how many of you ever feel distant from God? How many of you ever feel like God's just nowhere to be found? I, you know, I talk to so many people, and, and I'll just be honest with you, I oftentimes feel that same way. I know as your pastor, you know, maybe I should be at a, a more spiritual place where I just am always got my act together, but just being transparent with you there are moments in my life where where you know for whatever reason anxiety sort of feels heavier than peace, right? And there are times in my life where uncertainty seems to bear more on my shoulders than certainty. There are, there are just moments in my life where where I I, I find myself in a situation and obviously I know in those moments God is wanting to teach me something. I know that God is wanting to to teach me something. He's wanting to show me something. He's wanting to take me through something. I know that, but there are moments in my life where even in your prayers where you say, God, where are you? Where are you? I mean, God, I need you right now more than I ever have in my life and you seem quiet. Have you ever been there? You ever been to a place where God just seems to be distant? You ever been in a moment in your life where God doesn't seem to answer your prayers? I believe this is one of the reasons that the Apostle Paul is writing these truths to the Ephesians, because he knows that even in their persecution. He knows that even in their trials and their circumstances, that there are going to be moments, even as disciples, even as the church, there are going to be moments in their life where they themselves ask, God, where are you? Why do you feel so distant from me? And maybe they'll remember. Maybe they'll remember. Maybe they'll look back and they'll say, oh, yeah, I remember a time when, when before Christ where where all of this was what I was experiencing. And, and even though I may feel somewhat distant from God at this moment in my life, I know that he is near because I, I believe in the promises that God will never leave me nor forsake me. And so we, we hang on to those promises. We drill down into those promises because those are the things that lift us, lift us up. You know, I, I love reading through the scripture and seeing where Even our heroes of the faith struggle with issues like feeling distance from God. You know, King David was one who uh, as he lived his life, he he didn't always get things right. As he lived his life, you know, he was always in pursuit of God, but there was also times in his life where he sensed a distance. He sensed as though he was maybe just a stranger in God's eyes. He sensed as though maybe for whatever reason he was just alienated from God. But it was his faith that always drove him back. It was his belief in God that always pointed him back to the truth of who God is. And so David, as a a psalmist, as one who wrote Many of the Psalms, he would write of this often. He would, he would often give testimony that God, I know that you are one who is not far, but near. And I love that about his writings. Real quickly, I want to give you Psalm 9, verse 10. And he says this And those who know your name, he's speaking to the Lord. He says, and those who know your name put their trust in you for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. When we honestly place our trust in him, when we seek after him, knowing he is the the truth of our salvation, knowing that he is the hope in the midst of our hopelessness, knowing that he is the one that offers to us peace in the midst of anxiety. That we have to focus on him. We have to believe in him. And I love this. He says, and those who know your name, those who know you, they place their trust in you. For you, O Lord, you have not forsaken those who seek you. Paul says to the Ephesians, This is who you used to be. This is who you were outside of Christ Jesus. But now, in Christ Jesus, everything changes. Everything.